0: Hey, glad you can make it, and welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking, now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Baramble, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're that HR analytics dashboard that's helping all of you HR people leaders out there automate your HR reporting and analytics process. That's right, we hear all of you complaining about how you're using manual, tedious, and time-consuming spreadsheets to try to get a data-driven view of your workforce. You're pulling it from multiple systems. You might not have the time, the skills, the team to do all this work, but you have to present accurate HR metrics and analytics on a consistent basis, and you're always scratching your head thinking, why isn't there a better way? Well, that's why you have Employee Cycle, an HR dashboard with pre-built integrations to the most popular HR systems out there to pull all your data into one real-time view. Check us out at EmployeeCycle.com. Would love to give you a demo and explore how we could partner to help you automate your HR reporting process. But that's enough about us, because we have an awesome guest on the show today. So please help me welcome Amy Roy, Chief People Officer at Namely. And today we're discussing how to create and maintain a thoughtful wellness plan. Amy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Amy, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Good morning uh, or good afternoon, however you're listening. Um, I'm excited to be here, Bruce. Let's talk about wellness.
0: Yes, please. And this is your very first podcast, so we are super excited to help you make your global podcast (laughs) debut into the podcast sphere. (laughs) So exciting. Awesome. So, Amy, before we get into the topic, we want to kick off the show the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up? in the wonderful world of HR?
1: Oh, you know, I have a a little bit of a funny story associated with HR. I uh, tripped into it, I would say, uh, to some degree. I don't don't think that's completely uncommon. But I was in retail and wanted a way out of retail. Um, I loved the work, but didn't love the hours or the impact to my uh, uh, work and life balance or blend, I should say, and was looking for a way out and couldn't really come up with the right path. So I decided that maybe graduate school would be the way out and started reading um, back in the old days, um, showing my age here, uh, to go to college or go to any kind of grad school, there would be a physical book you would read of all of the majors. And I was looking through and got to H and started reading about Human resources, and found that a lot of the things that I had done in my life were parallels to the HR field. So I had been in retail, and I had been a training store. So the learning and development was really interesting to me. I had been a little, I had been a political science major undergraduate. So the compliance and the legal side was really interesting to me, and just I had worked in a teachers' union during college, and the negotiation side was really interesting to me. So. I went into HR without a whole lot of knowledge, but went to graduate school and quickly got a job um, in an HR generalist kind of role. And uh, that's how I got started.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that backstory. So today we're talking about how to create and maintain a thoughtful wellness plan. And there's some key words here that I think are worth explaining because they're always thrown around by the industry. And so before we get started about how to actually create and maintain one and really get into the nuts and bolts of this. On a high level, can you explain to me and our audience, what is a wellness plan? And more importantly, what takes it to the next level to actually be thoughtful?
1: Sure. So when we talk about wellness um, within our organization, it's we're looking at a holistic approach to the whole person and the things that impact them as they enter the workplace or or even their personal lives. So that's social wellness. Do they feel connection? Financial wellness. Are they coming into work worrying about a bill that has to get paid or how are they going to make their rents? Physical wellness. Are they healthy enough physically to do the job? I think that one is... You know, people generally think of first when they think of building a wellness program, they think of their medical or dental benefits. Um, so certainly, physical wellness is, covers that. But really, when we talk about wellness, even spiritual wellness plays into it. We th- we're thinking about the whole person and all of the ways um, their mental health, uh, it, you know, their 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 mental wellness is is another component that are impacting how things that are happening to them that they may not be able to control all of the time, but impact them in their day-to-day lives and certainly impact them when they come into the workplace and how we could impact that as an employer.
0: Interesting. As I think about the different areas that you're talking about, especially spiritual wellness, that sounds like it puts the company in a really interesting position in regards to how far do you go. So I'm curious
1: yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think as an employer, we have to do, you know, a 1000% on all of those. But I do think that it's, you know, thinking about a program, it's important to think about all of those and how they may play into your organization. If you were building out a program, you may not choose to build something in on the spiritual side, although there's a lot around meditation and how that can, you know, have a somewhat spiritual tie to some for some people but also a big component of how you can reduce stress in your life. Um so it doesn't have to be that as an organization you necessarily tackle all of those. It's more about as you approach the topic that you don't limit your thought into just physical wellness or just mental health.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for clarifying. Sure. The question that I have with this and I didn't think about this before the show so I appreciate you dealing with my on-the-cuff, off-the-cuff questions, but now that as I'm thinking about all the different areas of wellness you just explained, I'm now wondering where does employee accountability come into this versus company accountability helping the employee get there? Meaning, if you have something around wellness, sleeping better, eating better, working out How do you figure out from a company standpoint, where's the line of how far you can push and how much you can actually do to get someone to do the thing versus the person actually wanting to do the thing and more importantly, creating a habit so that it's not just a moment, but it's something that they actually do consistently?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I think we all struggle with that. I mean, I personally look at myself and I say, sure, it's easy not to eat that donut, but you know,
0: sometimes I still <laughs> mine is yes, eat it, right? mine, mine is bread pudding for sure. <laughs> ah, okay,
1: so um, you know, I think it's it's easy to say these things and bring them to employees. I think that's part of the you know the title was about thoughtfulness, right? Um, you know, one of the things as an employer is we're limited on dollars, right? How can we you know, use the dollars we have to provide the best programs um, that employees are going to take advantage of. And not all employees are going to take advantage of all of your programs, but that's where some variety could play into place. I think, you know, you started this off talking about your tool that that brings the data to a forefront, you know, getting employee feedback on the types of things that they think that they'll utilize or what they're looking for from an employer. Um, certainly play into how you can make decisions. Um, I think selection and choice is is very huge, right that there are options for people and that often when there's you know that when people have selection that they will uh, choose to get involved maybe more often than when they're you know given only one single option um so we'll, you know for us as we've thought about the types of programs that we you know, utilize our dollars for, we think about a a well-rounded mix of things, but really thinking first about, you know, what are our employees looking for? And you can get that through, you know, relatively easy through survey data, in discussions, in, you know, just putting something out there and seeing how, you know, how much traction it gets. You know, sometimes we'll put an event together and we'll think, oh, you know, I don't know how, you know, how this is going to go over. And then, you know, it turns out to be one of the best events, um, you know, that we have, but it's a balance and you have to, you know, make some decisions around what, what the level of return on your investment, you know, you're really looking for as well. Like is 30% good enough? It, it may be, you know, based on what you're offering, you know, sometimes employees are looking to see that you're offering, even if they don't participate they're still excited about you as an employer, just knowing that you are offering those things. And when the time comes that they need them, then they can take advantage of them.
0: Well, I think this is a good place to start talking about how to create the plan initially. And it sounds like you're saying one of the first major components of this is doing some type of surveys, questionnaires, getting some type of feedback to understand what your employees want. Is that the very first step or is there any strategy or buy-in that you need to get from leadership? Or anything else sure. that we didn't cover that should happen before actually getting the feedback from the employees.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, you can't get started on this if you don't have the buy-in from your leadership team. Um, otherwise, you're gonna, you know, put forth things that may need funding and not get approved, or you may. You may not um, get the participation that you want at the leadership level, which encourages your employees to participate. So certainly for us, the first place we started was as an executive team. We got started really, I mean, not that we haven't always thought about this, but really putting an effort around it, you know, right around May of 2020, when um, we were in the midst of the pandemic and people were really struggling and looking for ways to connect and stay well while they were, you know, locked in their homes. Um, so we did start at the senior leadership level. We then went out to our employees and asked for participation and created a wellness committee and used the wellness committee as a way to think through how we may structure the questions on the survey, how they would think about prioritizing which of the, you know, all of the different kinds of wellness that they think were most important to them. Um, So we started at that small group, then went to the larger group for thoughts. Um, But certainly, um, you know, budget plays into it. You know, for us, we're really fortunate within our employee benefits program um, with Cigna, we have dollars set aside to run wellness activities. So rather than saying, you know, here's your wellness activities, we have dollars put aside where we can, programs forth, Cigna has an approval process. And if it's approved, then they'll, you know, they'll, re, they'll they'll pay for those programs. And so with our partner at Cigna, you know, sat down with them and said, what are other organizations doing? What have you seen that, you know, companies get excited, employees get excited about? And so it really pulled in a lot of different data sources before we started to just roll out programs, um, And we got a lot of great ideas, you know, people in surveys, um, you know, when you say to them, hey, what would you like to see? And you start to see similar things like, hey, we'd like to have a fitness challenge um, or we'd like to have, you know, more about, you know, webinars about how to deal with this pandemic. Well, then, you know, right away, those are the easy ones. But as you, you know, really start to dig into it, you know, wellness is really broad and you have to be thoughtful and you have to be thoughtful about your dollars and, um, not that everything costs money. I mean, we're having next month, you know, once a week, someone's going to lead a walk for 15 minutes and it's a zoom and you get on the phone and people will be able to walk and talk together. That doesn't cost you anything, but it's a way to pull people together, even if it's just for a few minutes. Um, but you know, certainly if you have some opportunity, um, you know to have some some budget to put something together then you can think a little bit differently about what how you might approach it but you do need leadership support
0: that zoom walk and talk is pretty cool and in regards to the wellness committee was that just the HR team or was that HR plus additional leadership as well and if so yeah, that
1: was who- how we put a we put a note out to the entire organization and said if you're interested come to our meeting and like anything else the first meeting you get you know more people probably than you need and then over a period of time that number starts to um go down to a number that works as a committee and we've been meeting since May of every month since May of 2020 um connecting on what we're going to do for the next month or quarter.
0: Awesome. So, just to go through the steps because we want to make this as actionable as possible for our listeners so they get buy-in Potentially get budget, depends on if whatever you're trying to do costs money. Once that happens, whether you call it a wellness committee or some type of group, you need a a core group of people that are actually going to drive this and make sure that you're doing what you need to do. And now it seems like after that, then you're talking about keeping it consistent. And so I like how you mentioned that you're meeting monthly now to go over this. Now, what exactly is happening there? Are you using metrics? Are you looking at adoption rates? Are you looking at what to keep versus cut? What's included in this monthly overview to make sure that this is a consistent plan that's thriving over time?
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing we're doing is saying, okay, what, what, you know, looking back at the prior month and seeing what did we do? What was uh, the participation rate? How was it? Well, how was it received? Um, and, you know, if there's ways that we can think differently. So for example, the first thing we ran into was, uh, we were running webinars at a time that people weren't showing up. So, you know, any webinars going forward, guess what we need to do? Think about working with the business to see what a better time might be, right? So thinking about doing a little debrief on the programs that we've run, then looking forward to see anything that's already scheduled, seeing if there's anything that needs, um, communication, um, you know, rolled out associated with it, how we're going to go about doing that. So, there's a lot of communication planning that goes on in these meetings for the next month. And then, um, again, if you do have dollars that you're working against, looking at where we are against budget based on where we are in the year and how we're going to think through um, the rest of the year as we think through additional plans um, so that we can Make sure that we stay on track, um, but also, like I said, if it's included in your health plan, you want to utilize those dollars and you don't want to have you don't want to be at the end of the year and say, "Oh look, look at this opportunity that I lost."
0: As an HR data company, we always get customers asking us about benchmarks, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of listeners are going to think about benchmarks in regards to the adoption rates you were talking about. How do you know what's a good adoption rate or not? for any of the individual things that you're offering?
1: Yeah, so I think there's um, a, a couple of different ways. The first one is um, we do survey after the events to see how people feel about them so we can get a general sentiment about the people who did attend. We do in our the, the services that we have contracted. So, for example, our legal services or our um, financial, we offer a, a financial platform to our employees. We offer a free mental health platform forum for our employees, um, we go to the vendor and we say, hey, what are what's our usage rates? I don't need the details of who used it, but what are our usage rates and how does that compare to your other clients? And that's often an indicator that helps us think through how we're doing compared to, back to your point, everybody wants benchmarks, back to everyone else in terms of how they're thinking about these programs as well. Again, some of these programs are not going to necessarily, you might have a health insurance where you might have 80% of your people sign up. But, you know, if you off, we offer a program for people who have either themselves or have family members with critical, or not critical, chronic long-term illnesses or conditions. So dealing with autism or cancer or uh, Alzheimer's in your family, that's not going to hit your entire population. So some of this is you have to go in, even when you make a decision in the first place, recognizing what the benchmarks would look like and whether or not, you know, then once you understand that this is only going to impact 10% of my population. Well, then once you see how many people are using it, you can make a, yeah, this, I am getting my value. This is something good or, or I'm not, but feedback again, getting that data, um, in, around from an engagement perspective, what are you using? What would you like to see? Why We often ask in our engagement surveys, if you don't participate, why not? So that we can understand what the drivers are for, for lack of participation um, so that we can make adjustments accordingly. But I think You know, that you have to start with, you know, an initial baseline of where you are and then continue to keep asking the right questions over a period of time to see how that's changing and improving.
0: Amy, we've covered a lot of great information here and like any other program HR is trying to get off the ground, it can always be overwhelming. And so for our listeners here, if there was one thing that you would like for them to remember in regards to creating and maintaining a wellness plan. So if they have not got started, then they can at least get started. Or if they did just get started, they can figure out an easy way to maintain their program. What would it be?
1: Yeah, I would say, even if you don't think you've gotten started, if you're offering benefits to your employees, you've gotten started. And so now I think what you can do is think about what you're currently offering or how as you enter open enrollment for next year and how you might be able to use that to communicate the wellness activities that you're doing within your business. Even if it doesn't feel like you're doing anything new, you're already doing something. So you can think about how you can already start communicating what you are doing and then think about you know, is this something that you think employees will um, be looking for within your organization? And, you know, when you run your next survey, get some feedback, and that should help you um, make some determinations on how far you really want to go with this.
0: Amy, thank you so much for dropping so many gems of wisdom. And you did such an awesome job, especially since this is your first podcast. I don't believe you. I think you've done a lot. I think you just wanted me to feel special <laughs> that I was the first one. But thank you so much for being such an authentic and genuine podcast guest. And we really appreciate you sharing all this information with the HR community. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! Go, Amy! Thank you. thank you. It
1: was great. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So where can people find you and Namely online?
1: Uh, We certainly go to uh, Namely.com or find me, Amy Roy, on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone listening, if you enjoyed this podcast as much as Amy and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast, and you either came here because you're already a huge, mega, super fan of Amy and you just had to hear what she was going to say, Or you got caught up with the topic and you thought that it was super compelling, but now you're interested in more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.